G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to look with you for the second and last time at the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3. Today, can I encourage you to have a Bible open to Habakkuk chapter 3? We're going to read it, <clears throat> think about what it means and how it applies to us. Uh, this is also an outline of the talk that uh, is on the service program. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege it is that we can gather together to hear your word. I pray that as we look at Habakkuk today, that you will encourage us by your word to trust in you, to delight in you, and to long for the future hope that is ours. Help us to live our lives in this world in the light of that great future hope. Help us to learn from your word now and to put it into practice in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there's a lot to be thankful for here in Australia. I was recently reading an article about um, the the most livable cities in the world. And the authors reckon four out of ten of the most livable cities in the entire world are here in Australia. We've certainly seen evidence of how, um, how blessed we are here in Australia over these last couple of years, haven't we? Uh, through this pandemic, our government have acted with a, a genuine desire to do good for our country. They've, they've sought out and they've followed what they believe to be the, the, the best medical and economic advice. They've worked hard to balance public health with, uh, with public freedom. And the results speak for themselves. Very few Australians have died from COVID. Uh, the economy, of course, has suffered. It's suffered terribly, but nowhere near as badly as some people predicted. And, and, and hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back okay. We have certainly fared better than pretty much every other country in the world. More than four and a half million people around the world have died of COVID so far. And uh, many, many more millions of people have, have been um, in terrible poverty, suffering the effects of COVID, even if not the sickness, without any government assistance, without any support, or they've endured sickness with uh, inadequate medical systems. I'm glad I live in Australia. There is, there is plenty to be thankful for. But still, for many of us, this pandemic, it, it hasn't been easy, has it? We've been stuck at home for months. It's been boring. You can't go to the library to borrow a book. You can't, um, I mean, there's only so much Netflix that you can bear. Relationships for some of us have been strained as we've been stuck together or as we've been stuck on our own, not able to see other people, or as we've been stuck here in Australia, not able to see family overseas. Uh, relationships have, have, have been strained. Some of us have lost our jobs. Many of us have had to, to, to work from home. We, we, we've missed our friends. Uh, some of us had to, have, has, have had to endure the ordeal of having parents homeschool us, or, or we've missed out on university life. Uh, we've missed out on face-to-face -face church, of course, for months now. Many of us have suffered from home haircuts. It's, it's been tough. It's been tough. A friend of mine at uh, church was telling me that people come out of lockdown in one of three ways. They come out either a spunk, a chunk, or a drunk. 
Why do you reckon that is? Why, why do you reckon people spend their lockdown frantically exercising or, 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 or eating too much or, or drinking too much? I think it's mostly because we're, we're stressed, isn't it? We're, we're desperate to feel like life is somehow under control. Or maybe we're, maybe we're depressed. Or maybe even angry. I wonder, how have you responded to this pandemic? Are, are, you, are you scared? Are you, are you stressed? Are you just depressed, despairing? Are you angry, raging? Or here's a more helpful question. Not, not how are you responding, but how should you respond? How should we respond as Christians, as people who believe in God, as people who, who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? How should we respond in the face of, uh, of suffering? In, how should we respond to, to a pandemic like this? What, what, is the, what is the right and godly response? Do you remember what we've seen so far in this book of Habakkuk? Habakkuk, Habakkuk do you remember, he, he asked God a question. He, he said, God, God, how can you stand by while the people of Judah are so sinful? God gave Habakkuk his answer. He said, I'm not just standing by. I'm sending the nation of Babylon to destroy Judah. But that raised another question for Habakkuk. He said, Babylon, Babylon is more wicked than we are. How can it possibly be good or just to use Babylon to destroy Judah? God then answered Habakkuk's second question. He said, he said, he said, Babylon's time will come. Their time will come. They will also be destroyed. But God also challenged Habakkuk. He said, he said, Habakkuk, he said, there are two kinds of people in this world. On the one hand, there are my enemies, God says. He says they're, they're, they're proud, they're puffed up, and, and their desires are not upright. They're the sort of people who, who think they have the right to know all the answers, who demand that God give them the answers. They're the sort of people who think, um, who think they know how to run the universe better than God does. The sort of people who challenge God's righteousness, who, who, who question his competence to rule. But on the other hand, God says, there are my righteous people. And what they do, they live by their faithfulness. That is, they humbly and they steadfastly trust me. Even when they don't understand what I'm doing. Even when things are tough. They say, Amen. To me and to what I do. You can see it in chapter 2 and verse 4. Jump back with me and have a look. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. God went on to say, um, you can make up a God 
you can invent a God, you can create a God who, who you can understand, a God who does things the way you think they should be done, but such a God isn't real. A God like that, that is an idol, it can't do anything. But the real God is no idol. The real God who made and sustains the entire universe, he is living. He knows better than you or anyone else how to run his creation. And so there comes a point, there comes a point where you and the whole world, you just need to shut up and trust him. Pick it up with me, Habakkuk now, um, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 18. Verse 18. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. That brings us to chapter 3. As you can see from the first verse of uh, chapter 3 of Habakkuk, it starts off with a prayer. It's a prayer that's supposed to be recorded and put to music. That word, shigianoth, uh, it's probably some kind of musical term. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 1, have a look with me. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianoth. In his prayer, Habakkuk tells God that He's heard about miracles, the, the miracles God has done in the past. He knows God is powerful to judge his enemies. And Habakkuk says to God, God, do it again. Do it again. Please come, smash these Babylonians, judge Babylon. And, and, and as you do, remember to be merciful. Be merciful to Judah. Rescue Judah from this, from this terrible enemy. Verse 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And now Habakkuk describes a vision that God gives him. It's a vision of God coming in judgment, coming to destroy the empire of Babylon. He uses all kinds of images of, uh, of God moving heaven and earth in this, in this judgment on Babylon. Verse 3. God came from Tamam, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. God comes in power, God comes in wrath to judge the, the nations, the empire of Babylon. But, as Habakkuk has prayed, in his wrath, God remembers mercy. As he destroys Babylon, God saves his people. Verse 13, he came out to deliver your people 
to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. There's the vision. God comes in power, moving heaven and earth to, to destroy Babylon, the empire of Babylon, to, to save his people Judah. It's a, it's a powerful vision. It's mind-blowing. And Habakkuk, it, it leaves him breathless, verse 16. I heard and my, my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. The powerful vision of the future. The thing is, though, Habakkuk knows this. This vision, it isn't for now. This isn't going to happen straight away. God has already told Habakkuk what's going to happen now. First, Babylon is going to defeat Judah. First, Judah is going to suffer terribly for her sin. Bad times are ahead. Bad times are ahead until this vision is fulfilled, until Babylon is destroyed. And so now Habakkuk makes a call. He, he, he makes his decision. He decides how he's going to respond to the tough times that are in front of him. He's going to do what God said back in chapter 2, verse 4. He's going to be a righteous person who lives by his faithfulness. And what does that entail? Well, two things Habakkuk talks about now in chapter 3. First, he says, he says, he says I'm going to wait patiently. I'm going to let God be God do things in his own time, I'll wait patiently. Still in verse 16. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Habakkuk's going to wait patiently. And, and then second, Habakkuk is going to rejoice in God. He's going to delight in God. No matter what the circumstances, no matter how bad it gets when Babylon comes and defeats Judah, Habakkuk, he's not going to be... He's not going to wait patiently with, uh, with, with resentment or anger while he waits. He's not going to be annoyed that God doesn't do things the way he wants. He's not going to pout until all these questions are answered. He's not going to be stressed and, and, and hide away. No, no, no. Habakkuk might not know everything about God and his ways. But there are some things he does know. God is still Habakkuk's Lord. God is still Habakkuk's saviour. God is still, still Habakkuk's strength. And so as he waits, no matter what, Habakkuk will delight himself in God. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop, olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Now, the book finishes by, by giving the prayer to the music director to add some chords and make a song of it. Make a song of it to teach it to God's people so that everyone can learn from Habakkuk, so that everyone can learn from what God has said to him, so, so that everyone can remember to be God's Righteous people who live by their faithfulness. The end of verse 19. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. 
Okay. Can you see what's here then in Habakkuk chapter 3? Habakkuk prays. He asks God to come in power to, to judge Babylon and save Judah. Habakkuk then sees a vision, a vision of God doing just that, moving heaven and earth to judge Babylon and save Judah. And then Habakkuk makes his resolution. He says, I'm going to wait patiently for you, God, to, to fulfill this vision. And meanwhile, while God uses Babylon to judge and punish Judah, Habakkuk, he says, I'm going to continue to patiently trust in God, to delight in God as Lord, as Saviour, as, as his strength. No matter how bad things get, Habakkuk resolves to rejoice in God. All right. Let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. There's plenty for us to learn from Habakkuk here, isn't there? Particularly as we face a tough situation like, like a pandemic. Habakkuk was in a tough situation and things were only going to get worse. Judah was full of sin and violence and injustice and Babylon were coming to destroy them. He was going to experience no figs, no grapes, no olives, no, no food, no sheep, no cattle. Habakkuk was doing it tough. And worse times were to come. But Habakkuk looked forward to a future where God would judge his enemies and save his people. He saw it in his vision. You know, friends, in some ways, our experience as Christians, it's similar to Habakkuk's. Here on earth, we will do it tough. It will be hard to be a Christian. We will suffer, whether it be from, from COVID-19 or something else. Soon enough, every single one of us is going to get sick and die. Soon enough, every single one of us is going to lose everything that we've ever worked for. And, and on the way, who knows what we're going to suffer. God will no doubt bring all kinds of difficult circumstances into our lives. And, and friends... We're not going to know why. We won't know why God is doing what he's doing. But like with Habakkuk, God has promised us a better future. Jesus, he has, he has died and he's risen again to assure us, to, to assure for us this, this much better future. Those who rely on Jesus... We look forward to a magnificent eternal future, living forever as God's forgiven, beloved, transformed children. Uh, can you see our experience is similar to Habakkuk's, suffering now and suffering looking into the short-term future, but as looking into the long-term future and seeing victory. Uh, Jesus himself put it this way. I've put this on your outline. Jesus said, this is from uh, um, John chapter 16, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Our experience is something like Habakkuk's. And so, friends, our response, our response should be similar as well. We need to be God's righteous people who live by our faithfulness. Like Habakkuk, we need to face the trials of life with, with patience. Echo Habakkuk's words, I will wait patiently. And like Habakkuk, 
We need to learn to delight in God, in who he is, in what he's done. Even when we face trials, delight in God, who is our Lord, our Savior, our strength. Yeah, friends, this, uh, this really reminds me of, uh, of the first chapter of 1 Peter. Uh, Peter's readers, he says, he says that they were suffering all kinds of trials, but he reminds them of the magnificent future, the magnificent inheritance that is theirs in, in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and notice as we read, notice how he says, how, how he says that, that, that their salvation in Christ, it brings them a, a hope and, and, and a joy even in their suffering. I've put 1 Peter chapter 1 on your outline there. Have a look with me. 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Did you notice the suffering that Peter's readers were facing? But did you notice also their joy? And why? Because they knew the future that was theirs in Christ the same future that's ours in Christ. All right, friends, here we are in the middle of a pandemic. We've been stuck at home for months. And now we're facing the prospect of having to live with COVID. Over these next few months, many Australians will catch COVID. Most people will be fine, but some people will get very sick and some people will die. How are you going to respond? Will you live in, in, in stress and fear, scared of the vaccine, scared of the virus, scared of people in case they have the virus, scared to gather with God's people to hear his word, scared to get in and serve God and to, and to love your neighbour? A Christian virologist and theologian, Dr. Mergham Schilling, pictures it like this. She writes, In times of crisis, we often find it easy to fear. We keep hearing of the terror on every side, that the, the millions of viruses scattered by coughs and sneezes are enemies who pursue us, stealing into our homes and lungs and making those they infect objects of dread to, the, to our closest friends. And so what the Bible says come true, those who see us on the street flee from us. That's exactly what I see as I walk the streets of, of Chatswood. People fleeing from me as I walk down the road. <laughs> hiding behind masks no one has actually cried out unclean unclean but but they run and hide is that you are you scared running and hiding don't want to be anywhere near any people hiding in your house uh, or, or will you join in the anger 
Get on board with the Alan Joneses of this world. Rage at the government. Rage at the rule breakers. Desperate to lay blame somewhere. How are you going to react as we move through this crisis? Will it be with fear? Will it be with anger? Will it be with, with stress? Will you overeat? Will you drink too much? Or friend, will you learn from Habakkuk? In the face of this virus, will you look to God, your Savior, your Lord, your strength? Will you look to the, the salvation that is yours in Christ? Will you trust in God who, who is shielding you by his power until the coming of that salvation? And so will you live by faithfulness? Wait patiently and rejoice, delight in God. Now, 500 years ago, pandemics were very common. Let me quote from Vivian Nutton, a historian of medicine. She's writing about the situation from the 14th to the 18th centuries, and she says this. A town would experience an epidemic of plague approximately every decade and a serious devastation once in every generation. Disease outbreaks were part of the rhythm of life. Those outbreaks caused by bubonic plague were particularly dreadful, boasting a fatality rate of 60 to 90%. COVID-19, it's 1% to 3%. In 1557, uh, sorry, in 1527, plague struck Wittenberg, the university town in Germany where Martin Luther lived. Now, many people ran away, but Martin Luther chose to, to stay, to care for the sick and dying, he even turned his house into a hospital. Now, Luther was asked to write an essay, an essay about how Christians should respond to a plague. Now, he wrote uh, that plague is a terrible thing, but he said this, he said, don't forget, sin is more terrible. He quoted Jesus, he said, do, do, not, do not fear that which can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And Luther also, he, he reminded people in his essay, God is in control of epidemics. And following 1 Peter, he said, an epidemic, it's a test for us. It's a test from God for us. It's a test to see if we really believe in God. And it's a test to see if we'll respond by obeying God and loving our neighbour. Luther wrote, God's, God's punishment has come upon us, not only to chastise us for our sins, but also to test our faith and love. Our faith in that we may see and experience how we should act toward God. Our love in that we may recognise how we should act toward our neighbour. Friends, this pandemic, it's not out of God's control. He's in total control, total control of every single microscopic virus. And friends, it really is a test for us. In the face of this pandemic, will we be the righteous who live by our faithfulness? Will we wait patiently? And will we delight in God and continue to serve him? Will we be the righteous who live by our faithfulness? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're facing strange and tough days. We recognise that we're very blessed to live here in Australia, but even still, this pandemic has had its impact on us, people dying, 
uh, us being locked down for so long. Lord, there's much for us to fear, much for us to be angry about, much for us to be stressed about. But Heavenly Father, we trust that you are in control. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would stand the test of this pandemic. That this pandemic would would prove the genuineness of our faith. That this pandemic would show us to be the righteous who live by our faithfulness. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to wait patiently for your salvation and to delight in you no matter what our circumstances. We thank you for this book of Habakkuk and for the example he shows to us of this kind of faith. Grant that we may have a similar faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.